0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman.
2: Welcome to Seasons. I'm Marisol Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum.
2: We're lucky enough to have a few year round farmers markets in the state, but the majority of markets welcome shoppers back in May and June.
3: Ahead on season, a preview of the Farmers Market Season 2021. We talked to a local farmer as she plans for the market and take in the excitement of the vendors and the shoppers at the Durham Farmers Market. We also check in with the head of the state's Department of Agriculture about the upcoming season.
2: But first, the Westport Farmers Market, my hometown market, was recently recognized as the best farmers market in Connecticut by the American Farmland Trust.
3: The market's grown from 14 vendors in 2006 when Paul Newman and Chef Michelle Nishan started it to upwards of 40 vendors today. That growth, in large part, is due to our first guest.
2: Lori Cochran-Dougal is the executive director of the Westport Farmers Market, and I am proud to say one of my best friends. Think of this conversation as a bit of a backstage pass to one of the state's busiest farmers markets thank you so much for doing this with us
4: so happy to get to spend some time with you
2: how many years are you celebrating working
4: with the westport farmers market the market at its whole is going into its 16th year and i am my 10th year i believe
2: tell me how you got
4: started with the farmers market I got started with the farmers market through actually kind of how I was raised. I should say the reason why
2: we're hearing some movement is because we are at an event to launch the Westport, farmers. the
4: Westport Farmer's Market at Sugar and Olives. So I actually grew up going to a farmers market, I have to give my mom a lot of credit. She used to take me to a farmers market every Saturday growing up and so I really, after grad school I kind of just felt lost in life a little bit and found myself wanting to reconnect. I ended up volunteering at a farmer's market in Jackson Hole, which then led to chairing the board of it. And then I moved to this place (laughs) and did not know a single soul. I moved with my husband and my family and kind of in his wisdom, I was struggling a little bit to get situated here in the Northeast. And he said, why don't you go volunteer at a farmer's market? And I showed up that day. And I remember just walking up to the lady named Sherry Brooks Fenton, who now lives in LA and is a good friend and said, could I volunteer? And she said, sure. And at the end of the day, no joke, like they were throwing everything into this storage unit and there was a lot of infighting and kind of craziness going on at the market. And I was like, what is going on? My type A personality, my marketing director personality just didn't work with this. And so I went to her and said, could I come back next week? And she said, even better yet, I'll pay you $10 an hour if you come back got in my car and Nate my husband who you know well I called him and said I'm so excited and to this day I can literally feel the excitement of saying I got a job and he's like oh my gosh you got a job I had been thinking about a job in Ogilvy in the city so of course he's thinking that and I said no I'm gonna make sixty dollars a week on Thursdays that's my job (laughs) and it all kind of progressed from there and by the end of the season there were two women one was a selectman another was the fairy godmother of the market they said would you be willing to take it over And truth be told, my ego was at play, and I really felt like I had a big career that I was pursuing at the time. And and I said, well, why don't you come back to me at the first of the year? Because these are the things of how I would operate. I wasn't gonna do it volunteer. I believed in a salary and all these different aspects. And January 1st at 10 a.m., I got a phone call and just out of a whim said, I'll take it. And this woman, Rebecca Howell and myself, we started the majority of it on our credit cards because at that point there was no money in the account. And within a year, we had started the winter market, and we're kind of off and running, and here we are. And here we are every Thursday, starting in May. I grew up a city kid,
2: so the idea, first of all, of a farm was always foreign to me. But the first time I went to the farmer's market, I just thought, wow, I can see where my food came from, which was such a novel idea to me. It's so ingrained in our community here in Westport, but I think even just around the state of Connecticut, people don't realize how much they depend on farmers, right? There's that adage, no farm, no food. What is your relationship
4: like with the farmers and how you get them to the market? I kind of go back to my heritage as well. I've grown up around agriculture my whole life. I've grown up understanding the importance of farmers. And I think there is an underlying respect that you have to have for them and an understanding of what their day-to-day lives are like. And I've been lucky enough to have that, although I'm not a farmer. And as I mentioned before, I got here and I didn't know anyone. So I had to earn my street cred with the farmers as well you know you walk on and you're not a farmer they don't have a whole lot in common with you and what i've found about the farmers in our relationship is is that it has taken time for me to earn their respect the farmers that are at our market i will put my word on which means a lot for me to do that that they are genuine farmers they are growing everything they are selling And that they actually care for the land and care for their communities they're not just a farmer that's putting seeds in the ground taking a harvest and selling it to some big box store they want to be a part of it every single farmer that is at our market has the farmer that is there and to me that's really important because that's part of the communication and at the end of the day a farmer's market its fundamentals are about conversation and if you can have a conversation with the guy who's milking the cow that's growing the cow you know that you're picking up dairy or cheese or even the tomatoes that may have been grown that have been grown with more care and thought and intention. Actually, truly intention is the word. There is intention that goes into it. So I, I get that you had to earn the respect, which is
2: such a foreign concept to me. Because when you say the name Lori Cochran, I mean, people are like, oh, my God, you know Lori. Um, because I know you've worked, but you've worked really hard at what you do. And I think the, it's, such, it's such a warm environment there. Like, nice. when the market is not there, I truly get nostalgic for it. Oh, I, I really do. And you're being modest because you are kind of a farmer because I know you have some chickens. I do. And don't you have beehives, too? I do. I have two
4: beehives and 16 chickens. hmm and a par- I am not a farmer. <laughs> I am a faux farmer. We do make maple syrup. We call it sugarin. Most people think that that's like something my husband are doing, but it's sugarin. It's sugarin. Sugarin.
2: But how do you go through the process of picking which farmers and which vendors come to market?
4: Um, well, for me, it really is a full based on everybody who can play well in the sandbox. It's one based off the product that they grow, how they are growing it, I also am really particular about vendors as they're coming in, especially prepared food vendors, because the term farmer's market, if you walk into a farmer's market, the whole basis of that is a farmer, and the farmer's market should be developed around the respect of those particular vendors. When you go out from there, the bakers, the cheesemongers, the prepared food vendors, well, cheesemongers are farmers, but they should all be focused on that fundamental word, farmer. So they need to be buying local grains, they need to be buying the produce from those farmers to create an actual network of a community and one of the big things for us is that you have to have one locally farmed ingredient in every prepared food item that is at our market I never knew that yeah we have the strictest guidelines in the state there you go and also beyond that like our vendors have to become part of our community they have to get out from their booth they have to know the other vendors they need to I care about their appearance when they show up at the market I care about how the the booth looks even down to the fact that I don't we say don't show up with a Dunkin Donuts cup of coffee we have a coffee vendor we have a tea vendor support local if you want other people to support you you have to show that you support them as well like this is it's all of us are in this together, and we're much stronger when we're doing it together than we're trying to do it individually. It sounds
2: to me like a very symbiotic relationship.
4: And as someone who just comes
2: to the market as a customer, I never would have thought of that in a million years. But it sounds like it's a perfectly orchestrated dance that you have going. And since you've been doing that, how has that helped the market evolve? Truth be
4: told, I mean, how, how we go about doing that is... I think out of love, I think I have this passion and this love for it that I want even the vendor to understand the value of the farmer and that I have this goosebumpy heart twinge, lump in the throat feeling when I think about the farmer that's gotten up at 5 a.m. to get their product in a truck, to get it to this market and they stand out there for four hours. And then at the end, we're there having this great time and everyone feels good and at the end, they pack it up and go home and they do another six hours of chores. And to make it all happen again, and they're not driving the nicest cars, they're not going on a month long vacation, But they're doing this all for something else, like the care of the land and the care of us and the care of our communities. And for that, that makes me want to work pretty hard because there are a lot of people in a lot of different organizations that have a whole lot of noise around them. that get a ton more credit than these small businesses do. But as we've just seen coming through the pandemic, these are people you can rely on. I mean, they're the foundation of our country. They're the mom and pop businesses. They're the immigrant workers. They're the everyone coming together. They're, we're the grit. Like we are the, the founding. Yeah. To me, it felt so
2: important last year because we weren't going to grocery stores. No. We were ordering online. Right. And I remember when the market came back thinking like, oh my gosh, I can get this fresh food. How much of that dynamic
4: do you think we'll carry over into this year? Mm, Well, we've always had that dynamic and I am really hoping that it holds. I think the fear of loss of food is dissipating. I think we're a forgetful generation and nation and probably want to kind of forget. Our food system is fragile, it's very fragile. However, if you do know your farmer and you do know where to get some seeds, yours is less fragile whether or not our demographic here is going to actually remember those days. I I don't think so, but I do think that they really enjoy local food, and we're very privileged that that we live in an area that understands the value of it for health and their economy, and they also think the farmer's market's fun. I want it to be fun. I don't want it to all be heavy. It's supposed to be fun. It's this exciting place to go that you have a conversation with somebody. I watch friends be made, and then friendships grow, and... That's what we're supposed to be doing. Get out of our realm and go to a place and slow down and just enjoy. And everybody else is slower. So because everybody else is slower, you slow down. You don't ever slow down, but you know what I mean. The rest of us slow down. (laughs) You don't. I I never do. But it's so interesting
2: that you say that because I'm thinking of a snapshot of any moment at the market. You could see the culinary class from Staples. You could see Jess Bankston looking for ramps. You could see Bill Taby looking for God only knows what Bill Taby looks Mm -hmm. like. I'm talking about chefs here. Or you could look at
4: a pregnant mom with her two kids Mm kind of just hanging out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Or the senior that's on a budget that is showing up and knows that they're on a tight budget. Or maybe the mom with three that's on a tight budget that is there because they know they can get the best product. Everybody. It's all walks of life.
2: Right. Right, and it's like such a microcosm for the country, despite being in lower Fairfield County. How do you measure success at the end
4: of a season? If the vendors are happy and feel that they've been successful, then that's where I measure it. My heart breaks on the days that it's raining, and we still have 500-plus people that show up on a rainy, stormy day, but when I know how hard they've worked to sell and how much that one week matters to them of making that money. My heart breaks. But I think I always, I'm not great at celebrating success. I'm working on that. I'm working on really focusing on my successes and the successes of the market and the things I do well. I tend to just look to the future. I always am thinking, how do we make this better? What's the next step? I was hoping since I had a microphone in front of your face, you would answer that because I knew
2: you were going to say that. But I, <laughs> I thought maybe this time <laughs> You would toot your own horn I w I'll 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 toot it for you. So who who were the usual suspects in the market for our listeners? and um meaning like the vendors the 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 tried and true like if i close my eyes i know i go in a certain entrance and i know exactly who goes down down this corridor paint a picture for our listeners who might decide they want to come visit the market oh
4: please come visit and i'll give you a tour anytime if you'd like you walk in and you're going to see two of our anchor farmers which will be fort hill farm and riverbank farm all of our vegetable growers currently are growing organically and we do have two fruit farmers, which you'll see Woodland Farm and Roses Berry Farm, which everyone, if you've ever been there, know El <laughs> P.D.O. He comes from Mexico every year and he is a staple. If you'd like to get a cup of coffee or a tea, we have an amazing little London uh, truck. I wish She would be so upset that I don't know what it is, but it's like some little old fire truck or something that kind of comes purring in bubble and brew. Lost Ruby, which is our new goat cheese farmer, and she's beautiful. Seacoast Mushrooms. If you like the hydroponic, you've got two guys from Woodbridge. For all of us gluten friends out there, we've got Needs Bakery, which is new to town, doing Gorgeous, all local grains. You also have Wave Hill and Sono baking. I would always get the feta pesto at Beaver Brook if I were you. Boxcar, I would stop in for the tamales and a taco. There's someone with honey, isn't there? Someone? We do. Right now, we've got the Bee Love Project that's been there. We've always had Andrew's honey, but he's kind of moved into the New York realm. He's graduated. Oh, we love him. He still stays a part of our market. And then Nitnoi, I love Nitnoi. Who doesn't love Nitnoi? Yeah. Paul's custom pet food. I never forget my furry friends. Like we have to have them in the mix for sure. And then I would end up at Bee's Knees and buy some icicle pops. By the way, they make amazing cocktails. Literally line them up. I can't believe I haven't done this for you yet. I mean, next wow. next night, I'm totally Hello. doing this. You literally take like a couple cups, you put a little rum or vodka or even tequila, which is my fave. Mm-hmm. And then you put one of the pops in them and you let them melt. And when people come in, that's their cocktail. And they have this cute little ice pop cocktail so fun I just learned the last year I can't believe I haven't done it for you yet sorry shame on me I'm I will make I'm making amends I promise nobody worry is there anything you wanted to add I didn't get to ask you The only thing I think I could possibly add is that I spend a lot of time thinking about how grateful I am for where I've landed and what this has meant in my life and that I'd probably toss it out there to all the people that are making changes at the moment. Maybe put your ego aside sometime and take this exploration. I'm not going to lie. I say it to my marketing friends and I'm an executive director of a farmer's market and everyone gives you that nice little pat like, oh, nice job. And then I say, you know what, I'm feeding 50 kids in Bridgeport. I'm helping 20 women at a homeless shelter that are veterans. And we feed the Gillespie Center once a month. I mean, all these different programs. It's fulfilling and it's pretty, pretty darn amazing. So I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for the support and the friends like you that it's allotted in my life. We're grateful for you. And by we, I mean me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was Lori Cochran Dougal. She is the executive director of the Westport Farmers Market, which is open Thursdays from 10 to 2. Find out all the market details at westportfarmersmarket.com. Later in the hour, we check in with the head of Connecticut's Department of Agriculture. I'm Marisol Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum. Coming up after the break, Farmer Sue Short describes how she gets ready for the Newtown Farmers Market. And you'll meet farmers, makers, and shoppers at the Durham Farmers Market.
5: I'm eating Italian ice. It's really good. It's really, really good.
3: This is Seasoned. We'll be right back.
4: Welcome
2: back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum.
2: Plum, let's head to a market.
3: Oh, yeah. But before we do, I thought it'd be fun to check in with my local farmer, Sue Short of Short's Farm in Sandy Hook. Sue runs the farm with her husband, Jim, and their children. I asked Sue how she gets ready for market day.
5: So the day of the market is uh, quite busy. We are usually picking that morning. Newtown Farmers Market starts at 2, so that's a nice thing because it gives us all morning long to kind of get ready. And that morning, we're mainly picking our greens, things that don't last as long the lettuce, the Swiss chards, the kales, all that. We're cleaning it first and then we're packing it. And then we pack it up all into the trailer. We make sure we have our scales, our, you know, money boxes, anything else we may need. And then we're kind of off to the market. And the biggest thing for market day is the setup. So that takes quite a while. It's not an easy task. And a lot of times you have the early birds that come and they want to, you know, purchase while you're setting up. So it gets a little tricky. You have to kind of hold them off. But we gotta set tents up, we have tables we have to clean and, and get ready and then and then Jim does his Beautiful display work. Well, it is beautiful actually. It looks, yeah. It looks fantastic. Yeah, he does it right? really good That's all Jim. That's not me. I mean,
3: your displays <laughs> are beautiful. Like you have the corn set up mm-hmm. and all the vegetables. It's all, always kind of like a little sculpture yeah. of the vegetables. Yeah, he,
5: Yeah, he likes to do his little artwork because he gets a lot of people coming and photographing him and, and he loves it.
3: <laughs> so, like the first market's coming up. So, what are we starting with? I guess, you know, in the chef world, we call it par levels, but what would you start right. with?
5: Right. So, We start the farmer's market in mid-June because even though we have a lot of other vendors there who are like raring to go in May, we like to give the farmers an opportunity to get, you know, their crops ready and to be able to have some stuff there at the farmer's market. Basically, you're looking at first crops would be lettuce for us, Swiss chard, kale, arugula, a lot of different greens, sweet peas. That's about it. So the first few markets are kind of easy, which is nice to kind (laughs) of get you into the groove.
3: I love those early lettuces. Uh, Me too.
5: Yeah, and just having some fresh vegetables like right off the bat, people are thrilled. But you know, it's one of those things where we're all three of our farmers at that farmers market have pretty much the same thing. So you're not going to pick tons. We usually pick I don't know maybe thirty bunches Swiss chard, thirty kale. Um, we go up with a couple of let- bins of lettuce, but the nice part about being in the town that you're doing the farmer's market is if you do run out, you can run back to the farm yeah, for more. Yeah, it's close by, right? <laughs> Yeah, so we kind of <laughs> lucked out with that.
3: But how is the vibe worth the other vendors? Is everybody friendly or is it? So
5: worth- we're, I feel like farming in Connecticut is a pretty tight group. And you know the Newtown market is small enough where we have three main farms there, and we kind of know what the other one specializes in. Yeah. Daffodil Hill is there from Southbury, and they grow a lot of different crops, really cool stuff like the kohlrabi, uh-huh. and they have these awesome little teeny edible cucumbers. They're like the size of the end of your oh, fingertip. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they're really I've cool. Seen those. And then there's um, Field Farm up in Washington, Connecticut. Yep. They do a lot of microgreens. He does a lot of different types of tomatoes, a lot of heirlooms, varieties and most customers really try to like buy something from everybody everybody. yeah Yeah, which is nice to see and 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 it's a good crowd that's the coolest thing about it i think you go to a
3: farmer's market you're supporting local farms supporting local people but
5: yeah it's a good vibe and newtown farmer's market in particular i just feel like the customers are super conscious of being you know supportive of everybody they may have their favorites but they definitely go around to each vendor it's a nice hometown market
3: is there something you find that in the markets that you've done in the past that people ask you for consistently? Like, hey, do we have red vein sorrel?
5: The people that come to the farmer's market really are looking for the native sweet corn and tomatoes. Those are like our two biggest things and people are coming in June and they're looking for that stuff and they <laughs> and they soon realize that you know there is a season to Connecticut. We don't bring stuff in from down south. We're uh, a Connecticut grown farmers market, which means the only thing there will be Connecticut grown produce. But it's funny because over the years people have definitely been more conscious of the fact that Almost everything that comes out of the garden fresh has a totally different taste than what you're going to get at the grocery store, right down to like lettuce and potatoes. That's another like people always they'll buy fresh potatoes and they'll come back the next week and be like, those were the best things I've ever had because, you know, you just don't get that in the grocery store.
3: Farmer's market season is about to start. Yes. You guys are getting excited about it, I'm sure. Yes, we are. Seems like yeah. the world's coming alive. Yes. We're going to be walking around markets, buying yes. great vegetables. I can't
5: wait. Sue, I thank know. you so much for your you're time. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Of course.
2: So you've likely been to the Durham Fair, but have you been to the Durham Farmer's Market? Well, you're about to.
3: Our producer, Robin, made the loop around the town green last Thursday, asking farmers, artisans, and shoppers how long they've been going to the market and what makes it special.
0: Hello, I'm Jane Sibley, and I have Auntie Arwen's spices, and I can season anything you can think of. These are my recipes, and I have fun naming them. Sneaky Tiger Garam Masala, Shy Panda Oriental Spice Stir Fry Blend, Klingon in the Alley Jerk Seasoning. That's hot. You don't want to meet a Klingon in the alley. You know, I have fun with them. I cook all over the world. Of course, I eat all over the world. Food is good, it's one of the great joys in life. And I've been at this market ever since the beginning for many, many years. Our market master, John, is excellent, and he puts his heart into this. And so we have a, a good variety of vendors, and I've been having fun shopping locally, like there, and there, and there, and there. <laughs>
2: I'm
3: John Scagnelli, I'm the market master for the Durham Farmers' Market. I've been doing this for three years. I don't think there's a bad thing in this market, but a best thing would be just seeing everybody here, our community coming together every week, and especially when the weather's nice, it's a perfect day, and you get a lot more people coming out here.
6: So my name is Simone Howe, and I live here in Durham. I love this farmers' market because I enjoy, I've always loved good, fresh food. And I'm delighted to see our mushroom man is back. Haven't seen him in a long time. I was just leaving home and my husband said, be sure to come home with two different types of mushrooms. It's been so long, but I do love the farmer's market because it provides us with good food, with wonderful crafts. It allows me, as I did just now, to say hi to a friend, say hi to another friend and uh, there's sometimes music I see people sitting on the green families enjoying the music so it's just it's a wonderful community event and I love supporting our local businesses
0: hi I'm Ron Capozzi I live here in Durham I was on the board of uh, Connecticut NOFA for about uh, 20 years today I'm a consumer there'll be days where I'll be a cellar. I have Ron's raspberries and we do small fruit. Everything from blueberries, gooseberries, currants, raspberries. I've tried some cranberries, lingonberries, elderberries, and Saskatchewan's, which are a type of Juneberry.
1: Judy Rasmussen. It's just wonderful to be out and about again and have a normal life and be able to go to a farmer's market. I didn't go to any farmer's markets last year, so this is just wonderful. And I think everybody feels the same way, and they've got a lovely selection here. Just about every, anything you could want, food, plants, crafts, and we're um, just enjoying the day and the lovely weather in Connecticut. <laughs> Chet tomorrow with Chet's Italian Ice, and I'm based out of New Britain, Connecticut. And we make a handmade, premium Italian ices, gelato, and sorbets. This is now t- number 10. You know, it's the customers, it's the families, it's the patrons year after year in the cold and in the rain on the 100-degree days. They are diehards, and they want fresh local food brought to them, and we make it happen. So last year was actually for us at the farmer's market, we did really well. It was a place for people to get out, get some fresh foods in an open-air environment. As you know, we were considered essential. The grocery stores were open, so the farmer's markets were open. So we actually were a little bit busier at the farmer's markets. I actually think this year, with everything wide open, there could be an oversaturation and... uh, There'll be a big question mark as to which way it goes. Strawberry, strawberry, size
7: Yep. Okay. And that's 15. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. Have you a welcome. great day. Yeah. My name is Kathy Ellis. Well, I, I like the um, Italian ice jets. <laughs> it's really good. Also, the guy that makes the hot sauce, it's excellent. And there's a couple new things this year. I wasn't here much last year, but I, I saw a couple new things last week. The lady that has the cheese was excellent we had some of that last night and of course all the bakers I don't know it's all great (laughs) it's hard to choose.
8: (laughs) I'm Max Demusis from Frank's Wood Fired Pizza and we do wood fired pizza and paninis. Every Thursday it's just non-stop from 3 to 6 30 and we just love Durham everyone here is so supportive and we've been doing this market for
0: about eight or nine seasons now.
8: Well, everything we use is fresh. We work with um, some of the farmers here, like Starlight Gardens, we get a lot of our uh, tomatoes and our spinach and onions from them. Our dough, we use a starter for our dough so that it has like some great flavor. And I don't know, and we're just very unique in that regard.
0: Yes, my name's Leah Gastler. I'm from Durham, lived here my whole life. Four generations of Gastlers have lived here. So anyway, I've always brought music back to this town whenever I've gone away to go to school and uh, do my career stuff. I've always enjoyed bringing music back because it's where I'm from and people really enjoy hearing it, bring some extra, extra life, extra element of interest to what's going on around here. But, I mean, the market's looking amazing with or without the music, but I'm happy to provide some Bach.
7: (laughs) My name is Kathy Wilco and I'm the owner of the Humble Bee Honey Company. I'm a full-time beekeeper, and I operate five apiaries and almost 30 hives in Litchfield County. This is my third year at the Durham Farmers Market and one of the best things about the market itself is uh, the families and the, and the pets. I love the dogs, I really do. Um, and I like that people are coming out and sitting out and listening to the music, especially with what we're going through right now. It's nice to be able to see and talk to people again. Uh, people are more, a little more relaxed and they're enjoying each other's company as well as a lot of the local flavor here at the market. It's fabulous. I, I would definitely come back again and again. It's always busy, it's always well-publicized, and the vendors are fabulous here. It's one big family.
6: Hello. Hi, I'm from Cheshire, too.
7: <laughs> my name is Donna, and my husband and I own the farm Meadowalk in Cheshire. We grow vegetables and flowers, and I've been doing this market for two years now. Um, but I, we've been doing farmer markets for about eight years all over Connecticut. What I look forward to is meeting the people, all different kinds of people, and just showing them that there's a lot of beauty in nature and you really can grow everything yourself. (laughs) My name is Portia
6: Amendola and I make roasted blends of nuts and seeds that I call mostly nuts. I'm based in Northford. Um, I rent space in a commercial bakery in Hamden where I do my production. I've been doing this, this is my second year on this market, so it's a really great community of people. It's just fun to be around other makers and just connect with people directly. So.
0: Hi, so my name is Nick uh, in Briglio. I'm the owner of Passionately Pasta. I make pasta, obviously, from the name. I grind my own flour, use local ingredients to provide the best pasta possible. and. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy what I do and I'm out of Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, I'm currently looking for my own spot but I've been doing this for about two years and people seem to love the product so I love this uh, market and I fully intend to stay here as long as I can or until they kick me out so one of the two. Durham always shows up I mean today's a gorgeous day and usually even if it's raining and storming people will come out and show their support and uh, the community has been wonderful. Um, as far as I can say is is that Durham has to be one of my better markets and the fact that it's a old-school town and like it's a good farming community I feel like that really enforces the the love behind local you know because back in the day when they had farms they weren't going to the stop shop down the road they were they were growing their own food and they were growing for other families and stuff like that and it creates a bond that I think had been lost in translation for about 50 years, but I think it's becoming much stronger compared to what it was. So I thoroughly look forward to seeing the future of farms and, and, and farmer markets. So.
4: Well, my name's Sam. My family's farm is Killam and Bassett Farmstead. I've been doing this for as long as I can remember, probably close to 10 years and I'm only 23. So been around for a while. We're from South Glastonbury and we make this trek all the way down to Durham because the people are just so great. Uh, We're always excited to meet like different people from different areas. And personally, I'm really excited for corn season. So that'll be starting up soon. We got some of the best corn on the Connecticut River. So yeah. So we raise our own chickens and we have our own pork. Any type of cut really that you could imagine. We like to use the whole animal. We also sell the feet, the backs, the neck, anything really, so that's really good. Uh, We got eggs, duck, and chicken eggs.
5: I'm Sophia Bacon.
0: I'm Derek Bacon. We're new, new transplants to Durham, and we were driving by and we thought it was great.
5: We've seen it before, but there was only like three people here, so I was really surprised to see so many people.
0: Warmer weather, yeah, absolutely.
5: I'm eating Italian ice. It's really good. Really, really, good
6: I am Fabian Robinson I'm the owner of Babaskatch Foods, LLC In this farmer's market, we are offering our hot sauces And we have three different heat levels We have mild heat, medium heat, and hot heat I am surprised to find that most people are going for the hot They're going big or go home, you know <laughs> But it's all good They're all wonderful sauces. Um, They have their place. The children love the the mild sauce in their breakfast, on their sausage and eggs in the morning. People who consume pepper on a regular basis tend to go for the medium. And the pepper fanatics, they go for the hot. They are very serious about this this pepper.
8: (laughs) My name is Gary Bullock and we make uh, soy candles, 100% soy, made from uh, soy wax. And the name of the candle company is Ronnie's Candles from Middlefield, Connecticut. We've just started this year. Yeah, and we're very fortunate and we're happy. It's nice to be here. Beautiful weather.
7: My name is Kathy Duffy. I operate Sweet Sage Bakery locally in Middlefield. We specialize in sourdough breads, hearth-baked, organic. And we've been doing this for about 22 years. And this is a very exciting market very vibrant in the community, and we'd love to be here. Now I'm heading down to go and see if I can get some sound from the violin player. She's wonderful.
2: That was the Durham Farmers Market community, and that's Leah Gassler on the violin. The market is open all summer long, Thursdays on the green from 3 to 6.30. You can find them on Facebook at Durham Farmers Market. Thanks to all the vendors and shoppers who took a moment to share their market with us. I'm Sol Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum. Coming up after the break, I talk with Brian Hurlburt, Commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Agriculture. He might be a policy guy, but he also really loves local food.
8: I'm so hungry right now. I was just thinking about BLTs. Like a Connecticut bacon, Connecticut lettuce, Connecticut tomato, some bread from one of our local bakeries. It's top shelf.
3: You listen to Seasoned. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Muddy Soul Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum.
2: Wondering how our state interacts with farmers to help support the local markets we spend our Thursdays and Saturdays strolling through?
3: Our next guest is Brian Hurlburt, Commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Agriculture. We talked about how the state and its partners work to benefit both the farmers and all of us market-loving locobores. Commissioner, thanks for joining us here on Seasoned. We're excited to talk to you.
8: Chef Plum, thanks for having me, and I'm really excited about this conversation today
3: the amount of farms that we have in this state is incredible. How many farms do you know of so far?
8: Well, I don't know of all of them, but uh, the USDA NAS statistics tell us that there's 5,500 farms in Connecticut, wow. covering about 400,000 acres of worked lands. And when I say work lands, I mean, lands that you think of like fields, uh, you know, when you're driving on the country road, but I'm also talking about the lands under Long Island Sound that are being worked for oyster production. Nice. Um, and So that's really important to include because that's a really important segment of our industry in Connecticut. A testament to the program that we have, we've got an oyster operation in Connecticut that ships their oysters to Texas. Wow. Texas yeah. is a gold state, so they could get their own oysters, but they want our oysters because they're better tasting, and they're safer.
3: Some of the best oysters in the world. I would have to agree with you. Farmers markets now, Commissioner, how many farmers markets do we have in our state?
8: So pre-COVID, we had over 100. Uh, During COVID last year, we had 66 towns hosting farmers markets. We had a total of 83 markets in those towns. So we're hoping that that number comes back a little bit and um, we're exiting the COVID pandemic uh, protocols that people are more comfortable with their program and making sure that uh, that they're offering great opportunities for farmers.
3: About one-third of Connecticut's cities and towns host farmers markets. I wondered, how many of our local farmers pack up their produce and head to the market each week?
8: So what we can count is we can count the number of the Farmers Market Nutrition Program certified farmers. Um, And we have 340 farmers that are certified to participate in it and accept the farmer's market nutrition program uh, checks, whether they be the WIC or the senior programs. Okay, um, But that does include our meat programs. That does include dairy or cheese operations, aquaculture, wineries that are at a market. So it's, it's definitely not the whole picture. But when you think about, you know, we had 83 markets, there's a lot of farmers participating in them.
3: So to each one of these farmers, they don't have to register with you to be at the market, do they?
8: No, that usually the local market master organizes it, make sure that they know their responsibility. We speak with the market masters at the certified markets, but again, not every market master uh, has a a relationship with us.
3: I mean, if you're going to have a name for your job, market master is not a bad one. (laughs) That's a pretty good name right there.
8: I think a lot of those volunteers trade that awesome title for the amount of work that they have to do. It's not easy to be a market master.
3: <laughs> I've met some of these folks that you're talking about, and even the farmers at the markets themselves. And it's a labor of love for sure, because they have to work really hard to get their stuff there. And the masters themselves working to make the markets happen. And you know, sometimes if it's a rainy day, it's going to be a low sales day, but they still love coming out every single day.
8: They do. And, and one of the things that's great for our, our farmers at the markets is they get that interaction with the consumer. You know, when you're selling to a wholesale or to, to a restaurant, you don't necessarily see the people who are going to end up consuming that food. And you don't have that engagement.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the coolest parts about it. When you Because they want to talk to you about it. You know, I've always said butchers oh, yeah. and people, cheese makers. they want to talk to you about the product and they can help you with it. No one knows it better than they do. If you talk to a farmer about what they grow... You can get tons of ideas from them.
8: Well, and sometimes it's so simple, right? People think that you've got to do a lot of work for some of this stuff. But if you take, you know, a perfectly ripe tomato, cut it open, drizzle with some olive oil and Mm -hmm. some vinegar, hit it with some salt. It's amazing.
3: What's better than a Connecticut summer tomato?
8: I'm so hungry right now. I was (laughs) just thinking about BLTs.
2: (laughs) Oh,
3: even better. Connecticut Connecticut
8: bacon, Connecticut lettuce, Connecticut tomato, some bread from one of our local bakeries. I love it. It's top shelf.
3: What are you hearing the 2020 season, you know, obviously kind of a bust for farmers markets with COVID, but what are you hearing now? Are people excited? Are farmers, are they have a little apprehension?
8: So while we had fewer markets last year, we had terrific sales. Great. Um, because people did want to get out. They wanted to support their markets. They wanted to support their local farmers. They weren't always comfortable going to a grocery store setting. It gave them another reason to get out of the house, take their kids, do something, you know, have a little bit of an experience. So um, we had a really good year last year for our direct consumer uh, producers. So this year, people are excited to get back out there like we were just talking about. They really enjoy this opportunity. They love that customer interaction. There is a little bit of anxiety or apprehension because, you know, all those people that showed up last year are they going to come back? Sure. And so as farmers were planning their 2021 year, they had to you know, kind of estimate what's 2021 going to look like? Are we going to get that 30 to 40 percent bump that we saw in 2020? Or is it going to be back to normal? Is it going to be somewhere in between? Did we provide the experience that was rich enough for people to want to come back?
3: The commissioner mentioned the Farmers Market Nutrition Program, I asked if he could explain the ways the state addresses the fact that fresh local food can be expensive. And access to healthy food is an ongoing challenge for many families in the state.
8: The Farmers Market Nutrition Program, we'll start there, is a federally and state-funded program that allows um, recipients. In Connecticut, we offer senior and WIC families booklets to use at farmers markets. And that's where I was talking about those 340 certified farmers. So they're the ones who are eligible to receive those checks. What we're doing this year to encourage more families and more seniors to use those is that we're bumping the value of the booklets to $21 each to make sure that, uh, that you have a little bit more spending power. We've also asked the legislature to extend the provisions that um, we enacted last year through executive order to reduce the signatory requirements. If you're a senior and you don't feel comfortable going out there, but you have a, a neighbor or a spouse or a child who's in the community who could spend those dollars for you and, and commits to bringing you back that food, let's have them sign over those booklets. We don't want those dollars to go unused. We have, as I mentioned, 340 farmers that accept these. Last year, we printed 35,000 senior booklets and over 51,000 WIC booklets. So there's a lot of eligibility out there that we're driving um, to the markets. So this is great for the recipients because they get access to this great food. I also like to point out it's great for the farmers who know that they have a dedicated customer base who can use these checks. It's an investment in feeding families and it's an investment in supporting Connecticut farms. So it's really important that we think about it from both ends of the spectrum as to why we want to continue to do this. We also asked the legislature this year to include eggs. People can use those $21 to buy local farm fresh eggs as well. And then a number of of farmers markets across the state are participating in the GUSNIP program. This used to be called the, the FINI program, the Food and Security Nutrition Incentive Program. If you're on SNAP and you go to a participating GUSNIP market, and you pay $10 um, off your SNAP card or your SNAP dollars, you'll get $20 in purchasing power. And so the markets in End Hunger, Connecticut raise money to support that additional $10. And just like the the farmer's market nutrition programs that I talked about, this is really important to extend the limited purchasing power for these families, encourage them to get to the markets, encourage them to make good nutritional, healthy decisions with their SNAP dollars, and support our farmers who are going to the markets in these neighborhoods to make sure that uh, that people there who might live in a food desert have access to some of the best food in America.
3: I don't know if enough people know about these programs. This is incredible. Like you, You're you proud of that. That's, that's something you should be proud
8: of. We're very proud of it. And I'm very proud of the number of markets that participate and the people who donate and organize these programs. It takes a lot of work. I used to work at Wholesome Wave. We did these programs nationally. I know how hard it is to get one market up and running, but I also know how important it is those families that have limited SNAP dollars and what this means to them at their kitchen table and what it means for their kids. It means a lot, not only to our farmers, but also to the families.
3: Finally, I asked the commissioner, what's he most excited about for this season?
8: So one of the things that we're really excited about is is the diversity of markets and the diversity of offering in markets this year. And we've been putting an additional focus on at the department, our urban agriculture producers and our BIPOC producers. So we want to see some diversity and not only the people who are purchasing and, and visiting farmers markets as a consumer, but the background and the diversity of the farmers. We want to make sure that we're in more urban areas, that we have more urban production. We see that as a way to not only showcase what agriculture can be to a new population, but also to provide great local food and give entrepreneurs another way to be successful in the state of Connecticut. These are small business men and women, and we want to make sure they have an opportunity to pursue their dream. What I want to track over my tenure is how well am I doing this? Am I seeing different... People at the market than I used to over the 15 or 20 years that I've been doing these things? Are we seeing folks like Knox in Hartford graduate more community gardens and more farmers who are moving from their community garden space at Knox, a small plot of land in in the greater Hartford region, to a larger field of land that they're working? Those are our benchmarks that we can use to make sure that we are driving agriculture forward and opening up and expanding opportunities. So I'm going to look for that. I also look for different foods. I mean, you know, there's the policy side of me, but then there's the like I do the cooking in our house. So like what's out there? What can we do with this food? How can we you know, kind of live through the seasons and take advantage of that really great produce as it's popping up? I want to get out to Danbury. I'm in eastern Connecticut. I want to get out to Danbury and and visit one of the greatest market masters in the state, Peggy. We talked about snap doubling, she doubles for veterans, she doubles for seniors, they did a a grab and go option and a delivery option this past year, because of the pandemic to make sure people had access to food. Those are all programs that I want to get a better understanding of so that we can replicate them across those markets in the state. How can we take those models that are happening out there and pilots and launch them and make sure it's easy for other farmers markets to do this. So that's one of the things we can do through the Food Policy Council is make sure that we're picking up these uh, test sites and creating more access and awareness across the state. So those are the couple of things I'm going to do. We're going to ring in the, the opening day at Coventry just a great farmer. If you guys haven't been to Coventry Farmers Market, it is just a beautiful market with such a great diversity of offerings. June 6th, the first Sunday in June, we're going to ring that the opening bell and uh, launch the farmers market season for them. You know, there's just a lot of ways to have fun and recognize what we're doing to to improve the uh, the ag economy in the state.
3: Commissioner, you have given us so much information and you've got me so fired up to go to a farmers market. You could be like a hype guy for farmers markets. This is great. <laughs> I'm very excited about it, and that's
8: that's what I do in my volunteer time. You know, I, I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta generate some income to go to the markets and actually buy the stuff.
3: Commissioner, thank you so much for all the information. Most importantly, and finally, can you make me like an honorary market master so I can at least tell my family that's my name?
8: We'll make you we'll make you the chef market master, and you can have it. All right.
3: That's what I'm talking about, <laughs> Commissioner. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you on down the road.
8: Thank you very much. Have a great day.
2: That was Brian Hurlburt, He's the commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Agriculture. Among other collaborations, the department has a partnership with the Northeast Organic Farmers Association, a.k.a. CTNOFA. So you can find your local farm or farmer's market by searching the map at guide.ctnofa.org. I'm Marisol Castro.
3: And I'm Chef Plum. Seasoned is produced by Robin doyen aiken and Katie Talarski.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody. See you at the market and right back here next week for our live call-in show. Get those grills ready. We'll be celebrating the unofficial start of grilling season.